Well, good morning. It is good to be here with the worship team, and it is actually really good to be here with you online. And this morning, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. We are going to hit a section on parables, and these are just this is such a powerful section of Scripture, and I am just so thankful for the fact that Jesus communicates in the way that he does. Now, have you can, have you ever wondered what to make of people's response to the gospel? Like when you share the gospel and you see people respond, have you ever thought about, man, what, what do we make of that? How, how do you evaluate and think about those things? Well, in today's passage, Jesus get, is going to give us a spiritual explanation for the way people respond to the gospel. That is just incredibly powerful. It's something that really helps us because sometimes we can learn the wrong things from our experience. That's one of the things I love about Jesus when he sent his disciples out. They experienced various things. And he explained to them uh, not only how to think about those experiences, but what they should learn from it. Well, Jesus is going to make sure in this passage that we learn the right things as we share the gospel and we see various responses. The second thing is that you know, as a church, we really do, and as believers, we care about how people respond to the gospel. And when we understand why things happen the way they do, it helps us make the right decisions as we attempt to, to influence an outcome. We want to see people come to know the Lord. And so we need to be able to understand when people respond, what it means, what to pray for, and how to approach it. You know, one of the most powerful things actually about this passage, I mean, yes, it is significant in thinking through our ministry, but this is actually a very significant passage in evaluating our own heart. As Jesus describes the responses to the gospel, it's important for us to consider how we are responding to the gospel. And um, it is just really important for us to help people um, as we um, come into contact with them. We are on a spiritual rescue mission. People are devastated by being separated from God. People are living broken, unbelieving lives. People believe things that aren't true. They live their lives based on those things, and they suffer destruction. And we are there to help people in, in a sense, we're there to help people win the spiritual lottery. We are proclaiming the gospel that results in restoration with the all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving God, the, the loving God of the universe. And we are teaching God's word. And, and that is the wisdom that leads to a life of spiritual blessing. So this is what God says about the value of a relationship with him. Proverbs 1.7 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom is something that flows from understanding who God is and being in a right relationship with him. Psalm 119 verse 72 says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. The reality is that your standing with God is so much more significant, so much more valuable than if you were to win the lottery, millions of dollars. Being right with God is the most significant thing in life. And then living in light of that, living out the blessing that God intends. And you know, that's the purpose of the church the purpose of the church is to proclaim Christ, and that, that's to see people come to faith in Christ. And then the purpose of the church is to train believers. That's to see people walk in maturity, to live the way Jesus lived, to represent Christ in the world. And the church is here to love, encourage, and support one another. You know, that's the reality is when we come to Christ, we are never alone because Jesus is always with us. But not only do we always have Christ, which is by far the most significant thing, but we have the body of Christ. We have people to walk alongside us, to care for us, to love us, to encourage us, to teach us. 
God brings us into his family. And so that is very, very significant. As believers, we are never alone. And so this morning in our passage, the the big idea is this. It's our job to be faithful to believe the gospel and to preach it. How people respond to our message is between them and God. And it is a reflection, mostly not of us, not of the message. It is mostly a person's response is mostly about the condition of their heart. That, that is an, an important thing for us to understand. And we need to make sure, as we're continuing through our life and ministry, that we do not make too much of the messenger, which is ourselves, or the message. In the sense of responsibility, the message, we need to be very careful that it's accurate. But we need to focus on communicating the message faithfully, genuinely loving people, and praying for a spiritual harvest. Jesus took his disciples up and he just said, look, he looked at the crowds and said, um, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And so we're going to see two important things in this passage. The first is that we need to prioritize listening well. You know, this is a, this is a, a passage that really emphasizes our personal responsibility to listen and to hear. This is about, are we putting ourselves in a place where we can hear God's word and are we responding rightly? And then the second thing, the second thing we're gonna see is we're gonna see a correct understanding of people's responses to the gospel. And we're gonna look at the sower, the seed, and the soils. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13 and let's read. So this, this comes in the context of Jesus. He's been presenting his kingdom and himself to the Jews. He's been proclaiming himself, and they have been not responding correctly. They have been rejecting. And Jesus' response now is to pull back. You know, some general observations about parables. Parables are a judgment on those who don't respond rightly. And they are a special blessing on those who do. Let's read. It says in Matthew 13, 1, and we need to prioritize here listening well. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. You know, one of the things that we notice here is that people came out to hear. Um, it, it says that there were great crowds and Jesus gets into a boat. There's so many crowds. He gets into a boat and he comes up off the water to, get a, to give some space between him and the people and he sits down and it says this crowd just stands to listen and to hear. And it says that he told them many things. You know, one of the things that's really sad about this crowd is that there are a lot of people who made a commitment to go out and stand and to listen. And I think that that's actually one of the very dangerous things. There are many people who go to churches who go and they listen to sermons, but they don't listen correctly. They don't listen with spiritual ears. They hear. And we're going to learn about that as we look at the soils. And these people are going out. And one of the things we know about this crowd, and especially as we look at the following passages in the coming weeks, These people weren't listening. And when they saw Jesus, they did not recognize him for who he was, but they took the first step. They showed up and they heard. And that's one thing I would just say that we need to consider. If you don't show up, if you don't hear, if you don't prioritize putting yourself in a place where God's word is going into your ears, man, you have made a fatal error. And and I think that that's one thing that we need to recognize regardless of what's going on in our heart. The the greatest thing we can do is to put ourselves under God's word. And I just want to ask, what about the people who never showed up? Uh, What about you? Do you show up? Do you prioritize 
hearing God's word in your life. And for people you love, like I think about as a parent, um, as a fellow believer, if we have kids that are not interested in hearing or we, we put them in front of God's word and they seem to be uninterested, Jesus is actually going to explain what that is. But as parents and as believers, are we satisfied watching people we love just not put themselves under spiritual teaching? It is a significant priority. When, when there's a person who's cold-hearted, when our, when our kids don't seem to desire the things of the gospel, we need to put them under the teaching of God's word. And that doesn't mean that they'll respond rightly. But without God's word, uh, you have no hope. And so we need to make sure first that we are putting ourselves under God's word. Here's the second thing. Is that the message of Jesus' teaching, the message of the parables was actually hidden from people. And so even those listening, because they didn't respond when Jesus talked clearly, he's just gone through the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he spoke and he taught them very clearly, and because they didn't respond rightly, Jesus said, okay, you've disregarded my teaching, now I'm going to teach you in a way that you will not be able to understand. And that's actually what parables are. Let's read this, Matthew 13, 3. It says, he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose they were scorched and since they had no root they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them out and other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And then Jesus in verse 9 says something very important, something that you and I need to hear. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. You know, uh, the book of Revelation is one of those really challenging books, and that's one of those phrases that is repeated over and over in the book of Revelation. He who has ears, let him hear. You know, this is a common story. Quite possibly, while Jesus was teaching, they may have seen a farmer um, off to the side just throwing seeds, and Jesus may have looked over and actually told a story. But either way, this story would have been very familiar with them. You know, they'd all planted, they'd all known people who planted. I just think about my own personal experience. I am not a farmer, but I just think about my own personal experience with my lawn. And uh, I, you know, th there are times that it's like I'm looking at my lawn and I'm trying to figure out why won't it grow. And there's like this little patch in the center that's brown. And it's like, and I put seed on it, and I do all kinds of things to try to get it to grow. And I remember one time I took these seeds, and I just grass seed, went and bought a bag of grass seed, and I just threw it all over. And guess what? Some went on the concrete. A bunch went on the lawn. And, uh, you know, it went all over the lawn. And the next day when I got up, I'm wondering, how come, you know, or just days later, I'm thinking, how come there's, the grass isn't growing? And I'm looking, there's a bunch of birds all over the place eating the seeds. There's other times, so one of the things I did, I actually went out and I got this, I got this grass, and I want to show you a picture of it. Um, so you have the, the, the seed that falls on the hard soil and the birds eat it, and then you have the rocky soil, and it's funny, I, I thought about this. Uh, one of the things that I found, I found this thing, and it actually shows grass growing on a brick. And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, if I could get grass that will grow on a brick, maybe it will grow on this this part of my lawn and so I dumped it all right there and on this little section and guess what just like this brick it sprung up and I was just like oh good look there's tall grass but then it got hot and that grass died um, what, what ends up happening in this kind of a situation is since the roots can't get down deep all the energy goes into the top part of the plant and then the top part of the plant grows, but when the sun comes out, there's a small root and there's a large part of the plant, so there's more water that evaporates. And actually, the, the size of the plant above the ground is part of its own destruction. And so as we go through these stories and as you just think about this story that Jesus is telling, it's this story about planting things. 
And the issue is that when Jesus tells this story, he just explains about planting. And then he says, he who has an ear, let him hear. You want to know something? Apart from Jesus' explanation, nobody would have any way of figuring out the spiritual significance of what Jesus is saying. I mean, it could mean anything. And that's all he told people because they didn't listen when he spoke. You know, uh, we are responsible to hear. And, um, you know, when you think about this, um, God has blessed many of us. And, and so I'm just going to just talk to you for a second. If you don't know the Lord, I want you to think about every person who has ever shared the gospel with you. And I want you to know that Jesus sent that person to talk to you. And one of the things that happens is Jesus spoke himself to this group of people. Jesus has spiritually sent people to communicate his message. And one of the things is people think about how loving and gracious God is. They harden their heart toward him. They disregard his message. They disregard his messengers. Oh, yeah, you say that. Everybody has their own opinion. I'm a, and, and they just reject the people who love them and who are bringing God's message to them. And I want you to know something. When a person loves you enough to share the spiritual truth with you, truth from God, and you disregard that, not only are you disregarding that person, more importantly, you are disregarding God. And that's one of the things that we see here. Um, that potentially is an incredible missed opportunity. You know, I was just thinking about some missed opportunities that have happened. You know, in uh, 1876, Alexander Graham Bell offered to sell his telephone to Western Union. And they said, no, no one would ever choose a phone over a telegraph. Let me just ask you a question. When was the last time you sent a telegraph? They, they labeled the device as idiotic. What a missed opportunity. In 1962, Decca Rec Records um, said that guitar groups are on their way out and they didn't sign this unknown band. Uh, they went on to say that the Beatles have no future in show business. In 1975, Kodak's engineer developed digital photography. In 1975, how many of you had a digital camera back then? And you know that Kodak went bankrupt in 2012 because of digital photography. They, they told their engineer, now we don't want this, uh, just keep it quiet. And now Kodak, once a powerhouse for cameras, now focuses mainly on ink cartridges and photo paper. Did you know that 12 publishers rejected Harry Potter? You know, can you imagine the people who tossed that from their desk and said, get out. I mean, they got to feel like idiots. In 1999, Excite chose not to buy Google for $750,000. 1999. Like, have you, do you, have you even heard of Excite? Um, today, Google is worth $498 billion. In 2000, okay, I got to stop this list. But in 2000, Netflix offered to sell to Blockbuster. And Blockbuster said, oh, no, this is a very small niche business. Well, Blockbuster closed in 2013. Today, Netflix is worth over $194 billion. And Facebook had an opportunity to hire two programmers. And they said, no, thanks, we don't want to hire you. Well, that was in 2000. In 2014, they bought WhatsApp from those two programmers for $19 billion. <laughs> and our last one. Um, Steve Wozniak used to work for HP. And he was trying to get the company interested in his new personal computer that he was building. And HP said, people will never use computers in their home. By the way, that's Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs from Apple Computers. There was another man named Ronald Wayne, and he sold his 10% share in that same developing computer company for 
$100. Today, 10% of Apple is worth more than $100 billion. You know, here's the issue with opportunity. Um, when you pass up opportunities, sometimes they never come back. And actually, when Craig was preaching on the unforgivable sin, that's actually the unforgivable sin is God giving people opportunities, the Holy Spirit working in their heart, people suppressing that, denying that. And the unforgivable sin happens when God says, I have offered this to you enough. From this point forward, I will not send people to you. I will not draw your heart when you hear the message. None of us know when that day is going to come that God's going to say, you've disregarded me enough. I think about this passage in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? You know, people walk around disregarding God, thumbing their, 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 their nose at God's face, shaking their fists, saying, God, no, I don't believe what you said. I reject you. I don't, I don't care what these Christians are saying to me. And people just go along doing that, and no lightning bolt strikes. They continue to function, and that just results in this presumption. And Paul says, do you presume on his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. I just want to say, if you disregard people that share the gospel with you, if you are not convicted, and by the way, you can do that as a religious person. We're, we're about to look at that. Look at verse 5 here. It says, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You know, there's a day of wrath coming. And the sad thing is that day comes for every single person. The moment you leave this life, there are no more chances. But for some, even while they live this life, they have disregarded God so much that the Holy Spirit stops working in their heart. And while they may hear, they don't hear. While they see, they don't see. And I just want to say to you, if you're a person who has been rejecting God as he has reached out to you, as you have read scripture, as people have communicated scripture to you, if you have suppressed and rejected that, stop doing that before it's too late. Let me read these next section of verses here in verse Verse 10, then the disciples came and they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. See, the disciples listened with open hearts, and so God gave them more. And the crowds that suppressed and rejected and were interested by but didn't bow their knee before God's word, he said, you don't get to hear anymore. Verse 12, for the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But for the one, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. Look at verse 14, indeed in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes, they have closed. And then this is, it's actually a judgment. And it says, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Now that is both terrifying, that last verse is both terrifying and encouraging, because this is what it says. Jesus says, if I kept speaking and kept teaching, they might hear, and they might see. And if I did that, if I kept talking to them, they might actually come to faith in me, and if they did come to faith in me, if they did repent, I would heal them and I would forgive them. But you know what? I've given them enough. 
and I'm actually not going to give them anymore. And it's not that I couldn't reach into their heart and save them. It's that I gave them enough, rejected it, and now I will speak to them no more. Remember when he talked about the Jewish cities and he said, if the miracles done in these Jewish cities had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented in dust and ashes. But guess what? God didn't do those miracles then for them because what he gave them was enough. They disrespected him. They dishonored him. They suppressed what he said. And he said, okay, no more. And there are plenty of people in this world who over and over, they hear God's word and they reject him and they, they count it as nothing rather than falling on their face before a holy, loving, righteous God. And so my encouragement to you is if you're playing around with God, if you are ta- you know, playing around with his message, if you are responding irreverently toward God, I'm just telling you that will not go on forever. Uh, We never know when our last moment will be. We never know when God will turn off the spiritual lights. And this, this, by the way, should give us a sense of incredible urgency as we share the gospel with people. You know, I just want to read this from Proverbs chapter 1. It's powerful. These words are shocking Proverbs 1 verse 24 says, because I have called you and you refuse to listen, verse 26, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, verse 28, then they will call on me and I will not answer. They will seek me diligently and they will not find me, verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Middle of verse 32 says, the complacency of fools will destroy them. But for whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease. If you reject the believers in your life that share the gospel with you, that point you to God's word, that talk about your need to be reconciled to God, you are a fool. Uh, Missing a bigger opportunity than any of those people that I listed. And so we need to make sure that we strike while the honors, while the iron's hot, Uh, that we, when we're given an opportunity, that we take it because opportunity doesn't knock twice. And we actually need to be the kind of people that if opportunity, if spiritual opportunity is not knocking, we need to build a door. If you're not responding, put yourself under God's word. If you have kids who aren't responding, Put them in a place where they can hear God's word. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 16 says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There are people in places in this world that when missionaries have showed up, They just respond to these tribes that that somebody shows up and shares the gospel with them, and they just say, we have been waiting for you. Places where there is no gospel. There is no one to share the truth of the gospel. And here at the United States, you can go to the Internet and get a podcast. You can flip on the TV and watch people preach. You can listen to the radio if anybody does that anymore. You can watch TV. There's a church on almost every street corner. And here in the United States, people just drive on by and pursue empty things. We need to make sure that we are listening well. So here's a second thing that we're going to see here. Is that we need to correctly understand different responses to the gospel. We're going to look at verse 18 through 23. And I just want to say about this. There are whole ministries, whole churches, churches that are very large that have disregarded the specific teaching in this passage. Their whole ministry model is built on a theologically deficient perspective of the gospel and of salvation. I just want to tell you, I have met many Christians who their life 
their ministry, their evangelism does not take into account what Jesus is going to say here. They look at things happening in life. They look at people's responses to the gospel and they actually learn the wrong message. They learn the wrong lesson. They respond to what happens in the exact wrong way. And for you and I, if we want to have an effective evangelism ministry, we need to actually read what Jesus said. We need to think about it. We need to pay attention to it. And I'm just going to tell you, it removes all kinds of pressure for life from life. It makes things so much more simple as we think about what God has called us to do in the lives of the people around us. It actually decomplicates it. So let's look at this. It says here then, verse 18, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. You know, this is important here. Jesus says, hear then the parable of the sower. You and I are supposed to pay attention to this. I want to just talk about briefly about the sower. The sower later in our passage is actually identified as God. And ultimately, anytime anybody hears the gospel, they're hearing it from God because he sends people. And sowing is a serious thing. Uh, One of the things that it says here about the sower is he just throws the seed everywhere. Um, There's no criticism of the sower. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you know, the sower threw the seed in the wrong place. Uh, He doesn't say anything about the manner of the sowing. He doesn't say, well, the guy flicked his wrist wrong. He was supposed to take a bigger bigger thing. It's just saying the guy just takes the seed and throw it. You want to know something? For many, many of us, we make way too much of ourselves in the process of sharing the gospel. Did I say it right? Was my timing right? Did I say the right part of the message? You want to know something? Our responsibility is to spread the seed. Tell everybody you're around. So it's not about the sower. Um, the, the response we're going to find out is about the soil. And sometimes we put way too much, um, we think much too highly of ourselves and our expertise instead of realizing it's just my job to tell people what God says. The second thing is the seed. It is the seed that produces the right crop. One of the things that is not said in this passage is, Man, they they threw the wrong seed. Uh, Obviously, the seed wasn't working. It fell on the road, and people didn't believe it. They didn't like it, so it's the wrong seed. Hey, let's genetically engineer a new seed. By the way, next week we're going to hear about a different kind of seed, and that different seed comes from Satan. It is not our job to try to figure out what message will be acceptable, to modify things, to change things. It is our job to throw out God's seed. He's the one who makes it. He's the one who designs it. And I've heard many people say, oh, man, you you can't say that to people. They would never accept that or go around, try to do a survey and figure out what what, what people want to hear. In many cases in our culture, we don't want to say anything about sin. We don't want to say what God says about sin and about judgment and about any of those things. That's all a part of God's message to help people realize this is urgent You know, nobody goes through life deciding what's right and wrong for themselves. God has a standard of right and wrong that he will impose on every person. And that's actually the message of the gospel. You know, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. James 1.21, receive in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. You know, we don't change the seed. We just throw out the seed God gave us. And you want to know something? People are going to respond in different ways. Some people won't understand it, and they're going to reject it. Um, By the way, that not understanding and that rejection, that is every 
uh, Hindu religion, that's every religion of the world other than Christianity is covered in the first soil. That includes atheists, people who say there is no God. It includes everybody who's figuring out their own truth. If you figure out your own truth, you are in soil number one. This is what it says here to soil number one. It says, when everyone hears the kingdom, hears of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. You know, the the key things in that is, number one, does not understand, and number two, the evil one. Um, It is impossible for spiritually dead people to hear and understand the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1 uh, tells us that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God because they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they're spiritually understood. And what we realize is that this is a spiritual thing. It is Satan coming in and snatching away the word. You know, sometimes um, it's just satanic blindness. Sometimes it's distraction. You may be sitting in your, in your living room right now. And somebody's in the kitchen banging away with pots during a sermon. And maybe somebody's there listening. But because this person's creating a racket, somebody who needs to hear the word of God is not hearing it. That is Satan stealing. If you're on your phone and you start getting all these pop-ups and then you click into a Facebook message... Um, somebody starts talking to you just at the right moment. A lot of times that is Satan stealing the truth from your mind. It's one of the reasons as believers, when we're around people that are hearing the gospel, we are not a distraction. We sit, we think, we pray. We don't just sit, sit to a person during, during a sermon who's preaching and just start bringing up random things because we realize the importance of people hearing the word of God. You know, Paul talks about this, and it's, it's interesting what he says here in 2 Corinthians 4, 2. It says, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We, listen to this. We refuse to practice cunning. That, that's introducing our own wisdom or to tamper with God's word. So Paul says, when I'm preaching the gospel and people don't listen, I don't tweak the gospel. Uh-uh. Nope. I don't, I don't impose my own wisdom and start deciding what would be better for people. Absolutely not. He says, I don't tamper with the word of God, but by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul was open with the gospel. He just told the truth to everybody. That was his concern. Not gonna, how can I tweak this to make you listen But how can I just tell what God's truth is? And then it says in verse 3, and even if our gospel is, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, I want to say, here's the great thing is sometimes we see people and they look like hard soil, but God is able to soften a heart. And this is one thing I've seen in my many years of ministry. Uh, I've come to talk to kids when they were young and their their heart is soft, but the deceitfulness of sin hardens their heart over time. I've heard, I've, I've had conversations with sixth and seventh grade kids coming into youth group and you share the gospel and you just sense that kind of a softness in their heart that's kind of responding to it. And then you talk to that same kid in eighth grade and that same kid in 10th grade and that same kid in 12th grade and that soft heart that was there when they were in fifth grade is not there anymore. You know, most people who come to Christ do it before they're 18, which is why there is such an an urgency to children's ministry and youth ministry. And by the way, when we're doing those things, we don't just socialize. We're not just gathering people to talk to each other. We get people together and we put God's seed into their life before it's too late. Now, the great thing is that God can reach anybody, no matter how hard-hearted you are, no matter how long you've been rejecting the truth, it is not too late while you're breathing. 
You know, Jesus said earlier, if you turn to me, I will forgive you. You know, the unforgivable sin is not a person saying, Jesus, please forgive me. No. It is a person who will never fall on their knees before God in humility and turn. You know, um, that first soil, people who say, oh, man, reading the Bible, reading verses, it's just blah, blah, blah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Don't read me in the Bible. I'm actually not interested in it. Uh, the Bible's boring. Please don't make me go to youth group where they read the Bible and teach me the Bible. I don't care about that. I, can I play a video game? Can I do something fun? I'm totally uninterested in the Bible. That lack of understanding. If you took me to some nuclear uh, you know, presentation, I'd probably sit there and be bored out of my mind because I don't know anything about it. But if you explain something to me that I understand, see, here's the deal. When people in our life or when you, are uninterested in the Bible. Don't teach me the Bible. That's not what I need. I'm uninterested in it. You're the hard soil. You are hard-hearted. You are unable to understand, and that's why the Bible is uninteresting. And as parents, when we have kids, when we have friends, when we have people who, oh, my goodness, let me do anything but hear the Bible, that's a hard-hearted person, and you don't remove God's word from them. That would be judgment. We try to figure out how to keep them under God's word. And as a parent, it's your job to make sure that your kids are sitting under God's word. That's a lot of times why the Bible is boring and not engaging because you're soil number one. You're soil number two. We talked about that already. It's the rocky soil. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So here's the interesting thing. Soil number one, not a Christian. And they know they're not a Christian. Soil number two, three, and four. All of them are the ones who go to church, hear the gospel, And people say, if you want to give your life to Christ, come forward. Soil two, three, and four are the people who went forward and prayed the prayer and said, Jesus, forgive me, I want to be a Christian. That is soil two, three, and four. And by the way, soils two and three, that is what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7 where he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. And then he goes on and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Soil two and three are the people who would say, yes, I want Jesus. Not not false religions, people sitting in church who came forward, your soil two and three, if you have an immediate positive response. Yes, I want this. You receive it with joy. Oh, I'm so thankful for this truth. And yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while. We've all seen those people. They come to church, they pray a prayer, and for a while they're okay. But then tribulation and persecution arise on the account of the word and they fall away. See, the Bible tells us in 1 John, or the Bible tells us that they went out from us so that it would be known that they were not of us. See, people who fall away, revelation over and over, he who remains to the end will be saved. It is not that we earn our salvation by staying faithful. It's Jude chapter 1, verse 24 and 25 that says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in his presence. God keeps true believers faithful. When a true believer faces trials and persecution and difficulty in life, they run to God. When Job was standing there and in one moment, everything he owned was gone and every person in his life that he cared about was killed, except his wife who tormented him. He fell on his face And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you're persecuted, when you face difficulty, see, believers and unbelievers, a non-Christian, 
a person who doesn't really know the Lord, but that responded good to the message, when those things come, they leave. When a true believer is struggling, he runs to God for comfort and for care. And this is the other thing. Not only does he run to God, but God runs to him. Think about Peter. Peter denied Jesus, and Jesus went and found him, and Peter came back to Jesus. People struggling who genuinely know the Lord turn to God for help. The ones who fall away don't know Jesus. That's what he says. Um, Three, that's the weeds. As for the one who is sown among the thorns, verse 22... It says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears. So they heard. And the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. You want to know something that Jesus has actually been saying and just says over and over? He says, if you're saved, you will bear fruit. You will know a tree by its fruit. The fact that he here says that he proves unfruitful means this is not a believer. Every single believer has fruit. Some a little, some medium, some a lot, but every believer has fruit. See, this person, it's the cares of the world. It's the deceitfulness of riches that attract them. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father but from the world, and the world is passing away along with his, its desires. This is just like what Jesus says, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. See, if you come to Christ and then you just say, no, I, I have too much stress about the world or I want riches, and you chase those things, and you walk away, you sell out for the things this world has to offer, that is an unfruitful person, not a believer. Jesus has just said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Next week we'll read about bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree produce good fruit and now Jesus is going to actually make a reference to hell regarding people without fruit look what he says here every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire which tree every tree thus you will recognize them by their fruits Jesus says right here it proves unfruitful and then here's the blessing, the good soil. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word of God and understands it. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit leads us to truth. When you teach a believer, they hear God's word, they understand it, it makes sense, they embrace it, they are drawn to it. If you're a person who, when you read the Bible, you just go, yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand that, and I don't accept this, and I don't accept this, and I don't accept this. That is the response of an unbeliever. True believers understand and embrace. And it goes on, and it says, and he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and another 30. True believers bear fruit. So what is the fruit? And you're thinking about, okay, well, what's fruit? Well, fruit is hunger for God's word. It's gravitating toward the truth. It is a love for God's people, wanting to be in Christian fellowship. It is a love for God that results in obedience. It is a conviction about sin. Psalm 32, David is sinning, living this wicked life. In Psalm 32, for a year, he says, your hand was heavy upon me. My body wasted away. Anybody who says, I'm a Christian, lives in sin, happy about it, is not a Christian. Part of the fruit of being a believer, it's not that we don't struggle with sin. Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul talked about, I find myself doing the things I hate, but that's the key. Believers hate sin. So one of the fruits of being a believer, if you're in sin, is that you hate it. 
that you repent, you turn away from sin and back to God. Fruit doesn't mean that we live life and we're perfect and we don't struggle and we never wander, we don't have difficulty. But fruit is the result of a changed heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled, him, himself, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then it goes on and just talks about how God does not count our sin against us. If you're a Christian, you've been given a new heart, given a new heart that will result in a new life. So the first soil, definitely not a believer. Everybody knows that. The middle two soils are the ones that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7. And the fourth soil is the soil of true salvation. And that's what Jesus is talking about. For you and I, our job's to sow, not to try to pick the right soil. Our job is to sow God's seed, not try to figure out what seed we should be uh, giving. And we should be evaluating the soil of our own heart. If you think about yourself, which soil are you? Do you abandon Christ because of trials or because of worldly desires? Or do you maybe struggle with those things, but you treasure Christ overall? Um, we want to be people who bear fruit. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help us to understand well the gospel, that we'd take all the pressure off ourselves, that we would just love people, we would encourage people, that we would share your truth that we wouldn't think it's our job to re-engineer the seed, but that we would just take your seed and we would toss it and we would pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to work on our own hearts, to soften our hearts, to not allow ourselves to become hardened. God, help us to pray that God would soften the hearts of those who hear over and over and over and yet reject. God, bring people to faith in you and the blessing that comes from being your child in your name. Amen.